to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, please. That'll be a, pretty close to the middle of your Bible. It's in there somewhere where the crispy pages are after Proverbs. I want to minister to you tonight about something that I've been working on in my heart for a while for my own life. Uh, and I'm going to call it reconciling the season of your life. And so uh, I, I hope it's stiff. I hope it's uh, worthy of waking us up. I hope it's a word like that. But whatever it is, uh, just uh, let the Lord minister to us tonight. We all need to be provoked to love and good works. We do, because we slip back. Our, our souls slip back. We, we're in this world, and it's nasty, and there's a curse there, and there's trouble everywhere, and there's fear, fearfulness, and there's fearful people that are around us. And so we have to keep ourselves full, because if we leak out, well, then we're not as full. Even though you've been filled, you've got to keep being filled. So, yay. So it says in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, uh, written by Solomon, it says, To everything there is a season. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Well, their thing there is is in italics, so you could read it differently. You could take that out and say, To every season and time is a purpose under heaven. So the Lord's not wasting any time. He's got something invested in every moment. Time is an earthly thing. You know, the Lord doesn't need time. And the closer that we approach the speed of light, time diminishes. That's a, that's a physics fact. Uh, so in heaven, there will be total light. And so there won't be any time. It's not that God suspends it. It's just the work of uh, physics that uh, when you get to the speed of light... Time is eclipsed. And if you go half the speed of life, it's some percentage of that or whatever. But it says, listen, let me read it again. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So you kind of have to dig because really, to me, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't like, oh, that's what that means. And I'll change this and adjust that. To me, it doesn't mean a thing. So I went through it and I've done it before, as you have as well. I went to the complete Jewish Bible and it says for everything there is a season, a right time for every intention under heaven to everything. There is a season. Say season. 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 Now we understand seasons because we we have climate seasons, not so much in Alabama like there are in some places, but we have seasons here. Winter, spring, summer and fall. And we understand that they change and we're all very aware of the temperature and the, the, the times of the season. Then, then there's the, the seasons in your life. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. We go through different seasons. You're not in the same season when you're 25 as you are 65. You're in another season. Everything's there and the people are still there and everything. But the season is different. And so life is different. We are really actually very moved by the season that we're in and we have to know how to adjust and my my case tonight to to bring this word to you is that if you're operating out of season you're not you're not hitting on all eight if you're in the wrong season if you don't know your season you're you're not doing very well even though you may be doing what you've always done 
and doing it well. The Berkeley translation says there is a proper time for every project under heaven. Now, I like that. There's a proper time. There's a proper time for every project under heaven. And the Septuagint says there is a particular portion of time for every particular affair under heaven. So it sounds kind of like God's in control and that he, he's, he's manipulating everything, but it's not that way at all. He's, he's providing opportunities, or we would say open doors for us to take advantage of the promises. But you can miss one. Have you ever missed a, a good deal? You heard about it and somebody had already bought it or somebody had already given it away or whatever. It was a good deal and the, the door opened and closed before you even knew it was there and it was gone and you always would say, I wish I'd have known about it. I would have. And that's, that's part of that. The word time there is actually better translated. I have it in my Bible from other times. The word time is translated opportunity. So if you read it that way, it says for, to everything there's a season and an opportunity to every purpose. The word opportunity is a little more open than the word time. Time is pretty uh, uh, strenuous in the fact that it says, well, it's, it, it's, the time is 3.05 and that's when it's going to start and it's going to go this long. Well, the word opportunity means that there's an easing in and maybe an easing out. It's an opportunity. We, we have options with opportunities. And uh, I wrote, I, I looked up all sorts of words in the thesaurus and the dictionary and everything. And, uh, and then I boiled it down to the word time and opportunity is an open door that makes it favorable and conducive for something to happen. It's when something, even in the seasons, it's much easier to get a crop going if you'll plant it in the spring versus planting it in the fall, unless it's winter wheat. Uh, so an opportunity is an open door making it favorable or conducive for something to happen. The door opened. You could buy that lawnmower or that car or whatever. If the door was open, it was conducive versus if he says, I've already sold it, I'll have to take it away and from the guy that bought it. So opportunity. So let's read that. It says for God, uh, excuse me, to everything there is a season and an opportunity to every purpose under the heaven. Wow, that sounds pretty broad. That everything that's in the promises, everything that's under our feet in our dominion. There's an opportunity to lay hold of it. And that implies you kind of have to wait for it. You have to you have to sense when the opportunity is there. Instead of just saying, well, I want one, God's got one, and I'm just going to go in and grab it. Well, you can, and that's true, but have you ever, have you ever had easier faith than other times, which wasn't so easy? We all have. And it could be that there's an opportunity to do things according to the timing of the Holy Ghost, the timing of the kingdom. Uh, I, I did the same thing with the word season, which we seem to understand better uh, as a part of our language. But a season, I, I figured out, was a span of connected time. So it's several opportunities that are tied together, like winter or summer or something. And that, uh, it's a span of connected time that is expected and understood. We understand seasons. We don't always understand the season of our own life. But we can get pretty close, you know, like I said, when you're 18 and you're not married. 
you understand that's a different season than when you're 65 and you got grandkids. You, you recognize that kind of season. It's so obvious. But there's a lot more subtle uh, seasons. So it's a span of connected time that is expected and understood that brings the optimum and peak conditions together. So like in the spring uh, in West Texas, that's all I know is from April 15th to, to June 10th, you can plant cotton. That is the season for planting cotton. And they, they'll shake the finger at you. If, you. if you try to plant after the 10th of June, you may run out of days for the cotton to mature and it'll just be like green tomatoes or something on a tomato vine. The cotton won't make and you won't make any money. Even though you planted it and it grew, it didn't have enough time to mature and make fiber. And so you have to know the season. And there's seasons for every part of life. It's not talked about much. We just wing it. I said we all just wing it based on an inherent wisdom and experience and we just wing it. So I would say there, of this scripture, there's a season and a time and we need to wait for it, but don't miss it. If we got good at our seasons, knowing when it was time to buy a house, well, interest is this way or the, 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 the availability is that way or whatever, that's, we're looking for a, a natural season, but when everything's tighter than a banjo string, if it's the season in the Lord, you'll find a deal that was better, that was the best deal that could have been in any season. You'll get it. Now I'll go, how'd you get that? Well, I waited on the Lord. And when the door opened, I was there waiting on him. I didn't rush it. I didn't push it. I didn't uh, get out of faith about it. I didn't get angry and upset. I waited on the season of the Lord. The door opened and there was an opportunity and I was ready. So there's more to life than just getting up and making breakfast and drinking coffee and running out the door. There's a lot more that can be had than just being born again and just having an inherent experience, as all people do, if we know our season. Is it time to buy a house or should you rent one? Or should you move in with somebody? I would say probably not. <laughs> but th there's all kinds of seasons and uh, we, we need to be, since we're filled with the Holy Ghost, are we filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes. I mean, he knows the seasons. He's the implementer of them. He, he's got these seasons in the timing of your life. We know some seasons. We know we don't wait till we're 55 to say, let's start a family. We, we know that's out of season. And you'll tell uh, you'll tell women that are, you know, they're 44 and they say, you know, I think about having a kid. We all know, we understand that season, that it's, it's tempting it right there and, and other things like that, but that's an example. Uh, so as we mature it, as Christians, it's not just going to heaven and some fine day when this life is o'er, we'll fly away. There's a season for, for navigating life right now. So we're seasoned by the seasons. We have an experience. We kind of know what to expect from past seasons, especially in the weather or certain cases. They, 
you know, they'll tell you, well, if interest goes up and funds go down and, you know, all the financial things, stock do this, so then that means that it's conducive to this. I, I know nothing about that, but uh, there, there's financial seasons and then there's, uh, there's family seasons where you have a good, strong job, both of you, and you settle down and you say, let's buy a house here. We want to live in this town. Let's buy a house. We've been renting for this, that, and the other. And you wait for the season to buy the house. For example, that's just an example. But I do, uh, I do know this, that priorities are the hallmark of the mature Christian. How many scriptures can you quote? And, and have you been to this missionary trip and everything? The hallmark or the, the, the strata of a mature Christian is how they set their priorities. So you can have a lot of things not going for you, but you get up and you, you, you work on what's first. Thing. Well, we say it this way. Keep the, main, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Isn't that what we say? The main thing is to keep the main thing. And that's where the, that's where the friction is to, to stay steady is because we want to, the main thing is to fight the good fight of faith. And we get distracted and upset and, you know, and other people tell us things. And so we, we're tempted to come off of the main thing being the main thing. But the main thing being the main thing will always take you there because it's the word. Glory, Amen. Yes. OK, well, when's he going to get to it? I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, you would probably agree with me that a good thing done in the wrong season wouldn't necessarily be a good thing. You know, if you say happy birthday to someone and they, they had it th three weeks ago and you didn't know it, what would be very nice and very well-wishing, they might take offense at it. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? So the wrong, t the wrong season can eclipse a good thing. So seasons are important. Exodus chapter 18, please. I'm, I'm you, you don't know it, but I'm fervently in a hurry here. Exodus 18. Because I know how you like to get out by nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> Exodus 18. Let's, we've looked at this verse. Let's look in verse 12. This is Exodus. This is way back. This is Moses times. So it says in Jethro, Moses's father-in-law. A little context there, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning into the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou there alone and all the people stand by thee from morning to even? Sounds like a motor vehicle line or uh, you get a little driver's license or something. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, here's why. Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. It's their fault. Did you get that? Did you see that? Like the serpent told me to eat it. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, 
The thing that thou doest is not good. It's also translated the good thing that thou doest is not good. So, so we, we can tell that Moses is out of his season. Back when there was just 60 people or whatever there was back in the day, he could handle them all. But there's gazillions of them out there. And they're all having to wait on everybody to tell their story. And can you all imagine waiting on somebody to tell their story to get a judgment and you're, you're 70 people back or, or whatever. So, uh, uh, so for all the greatness that Moses hit his season in the past, and he did, the burning bush and out in the wilderness and coming back and talking to Pharaoh uh, 12 times, he's the only man on the planet that could and that knew what to say when he did. For all of that timing, raising his staff over the Red Sea, the whole thing, he blew this one up. This was wrong. The word says the good thing that you do, not that special. Have you all ever been there? Have you ever been at the right place at the wrong time? You're early or you're late. And it's like, well, don't I get an E for effort? No, you either pulled it off and ha it happened. Or it didn't. And people whine and cry and carry on about how people are unfair. But actually, Moses is at fault here because he he was the man and he did not discern what was going on there. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, please. Let's loll around in the word a little bit. First Corinthians 13. It says there in verse 11. You know this verse, but this is the perfect verse in the New Testament for that. He said, Paul said, Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Did y'all see that? My notes I have when I was a child, I spake as a selfish one. Wouldn't that be what children do? That would be like, well, okay, you spoke as a child. What does that mean? Me, me, me. Come fix me. Come help me. Come do for me. When, he said, when I was a young Christian, it was all about me. Have you ever run into those Christians? Have you ever, do you have pictures on your, in your album book of those people? And it's you. It's me. It's like, oh, that's when I was a child. I, it, was, it was all, but that was the season that we were in. Okay, I don't know if y'all are here or not. The Beck says, I would think like a child and plan like a child. Well, how's a child plan? <laughs> totally oblivious to anybody else. Totally about I want to and why can't I and I, I want to now. He said, uh, he said, I would think like a child and plan like a child. So that's a different season. And it didn't look too good on our kids then. And it sure doesn't look good on adults now. Uh, the uh, passion says, but the day came when I matured and I set aside my selfish self. No, my selfish way, my childish way, excuse me, my childish ways. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. The Amplified says, now that I have become a man, I am done with childish ways and have put them aside. But there's some people that haven't. 
And one of the reasons that people don't change is because it worked. And they're afraid to try something that they don't know if it works or not. This gospel, for instance, this gospel, a Pentecostal spirit filled gospel, a faith gospel, a healing gospel, a prosperity gospel, a gospel that the promises are yes and amen. And they're they're the final word. It's a finished work gospel. You go, what's not to like about that? Well, I'm not used to it. I had a woman tell me yesterday. And uh, she has an 06 Toyota. You spell that O-L-D. And I said, well, let's get us a new car. She said, well, I wouldn't be used to it. She said, I'm comfortable with this one. And it doesn't have all those knobs and those buttons. And I said, well, I've got one that has knobs and buttons and I just ignore them. I just, if I don't want one, I just let it be until somebody gets in and says, well, can we do this? And if they do it, fine. And uh, she said, uh, no, not going to get one because, in other words, it's just going to have to rust under her going down the road. So that, that's that thing of, of living in a season that's expired. Like your yogurt or your milk or your whatever. It expires and it's out of season. Well, it was good yesterday. I'm going to drink it again today because it was good yesterday. Well, that's foolish. Well, that's 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 I don't want to change seasons. So we're crippled as a body, the whole body, by people that are in the body that don't want to change. And that would be their doctrine. That would be their liturgy, how they do things. That would be well, it'd be all those things. So aren't you glad you changed seasons? We didn't like winter. As soon as we found out it was cold in winter, we said, we're looking for spring. Spring will be good. But some people just say, I- I'm used to winter. And so they just live in that season all of their life. So I spent some time just writing down the seasons of a, a boy that he would go through in his life. Potentially, possibly. I, I just thought these out. First of all, I have, number one, I have a child structured or being taught by his mother at home. That would be a season. He's young and so she tells him to, you know, put stuff up and put stuff back and to put stuff in the trash. She structures him. She she tells him the, the basics of life and leads him how to talk, how to walk and all that. The second thing then would be a youth. And he is discipled by his parents. That's what the word says. A youth would be discipled by his parents. Thirdly, a young man. The word talks about older men mentoring younger men. So a young man would be mentored by older men, including his father. Maybe exclusively by his father, but, but by older men. Number four, there'd be a married man. And he's seeking God because he's never been married. He's seeking God of how to be in the season of marriage. She doesn't think like I do. Matter of fact, she thinks crazy stuff. What am I going to do with this? I mean, and so he's navigating. Do you all remember all of us in marriage? Navigating. 
especially your, you know, your first one and your young one because of the genders and all that, that, that I told you all the other day, I had no, I had no aunts, I had no sisters and I had no daughters. So girls were a rare thing for me. I didn't, I didn't. And my mother was very, she was an only child in military. So where are you going to get from that? Okay. Uh, then the next uh, season might be where a father leads his family to serve God. He's spending time with the son or the daughter or whatever individually, but then he starts to develop a family structure, a new season where you go on vacation together and you, you do things together. Okay. Uh, Here's a season that maybe we hadn't thought about, but there's a, definitely a season in there where, where men, godly men, Bible men, are supposed to gain wisdom to prosper ex- exponentially. There's a season in there right after you get your family that you're supposed to be in the word and all that mentoring, all that your mother put into you, all that your father and your parents put into you. The, you, went, you didn't go to a youth group and just blow up something you went to a, a youth group like Valor and Virtue where you were mentored. And then after that, you would, your father would begin to, from the wisdom that he got, he'd begin to prosper. Money was everywhere. Are y'all getting this? That's a season. Now, we, we weren't taught that or we weren't at my house. Good enough is good enough. We're, we're, we're doing without in order to do. Uh, then the next season in that family is where the father is not working in order to support the family. Now he's working, but they're not paycheck to paycheck. They're not, uh, there, there's, there's, there's money, but he he wants to go to work. He's in management. He, he, okay. Y'all get that. He's not working a job in order to support the family, even though he is bringing in money, but he's, he's. The word says that that men and women that are Godward are supposed to prosper. Could I have a better amen? We are. Whether we missed it, maybe we missed a season from our parents. Maybe we missed six seasons from our parents. We can't blame anybody. We just have to we just have to make up or change in such a way. Then uh, the next one would be to dispense wisdom to young men. This this young father or this middle aged father is dispensing He's becoming one of those older men that mentors younger men. So he spends time in that. This is how the Jews do it already. The Jews already do it. They they spend time. All their sons are going to be doctors or lawyers, period. And uh, then the mentor, this man, he's demonstrating seasons. Just because he had good success in any season, which we should doesn't mean that we are beholden to that season because everything, every season that's good to you because God's good and the word's perfect, you will run to the end of that season because it's, it's not the season, but it's you. You're not, you're not, you have to get retrofitted, as it were, for the next season. And if you say, well, I hate to give it up because I just made so much money and everybody likes me there and all that, then, then you are a casualty in the making. You got to quit while it's wonderful. You got to change while it's great. You got to move when nobody's moving. 
Nobody wants to do that. Three-fourths of all people have the personality type that does not like change. So we have to do it like everything else. We have to do like we have to believe exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. We have to put on faith. Where our personality won't go there on its own, we have to get it by faith. And then, uh, after the mentor de demonstrates seasons, everybody says, wow, he, he changes a lot. But gosh, he's doing real good with it. The next season I put down is that he influences others. He influences others. Everybody wants to get a, have a drink of whatever he's having. And then he transitions into becoming a very influential elder, teacher, leader. Has great influence, great power in the sense of that. But it's because he changed seasons. Let's see, two, four, six, eight, ten. I have 11 changes there. Well, he, he was born into one. So 10 changes of seasons that I came up with, and you might come up with 10 more, but that's the ones I, I put down. Can you? I, I'm, I'm going to just take you to 1 Samuel 2, verse 12. Don't go there, please, because it's a booger to find that one. But here's what the one verse says, and you'll remember it. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Now the sons of Eli, the priest, the prophet, whatever he was, were sons of Belial. Well, I, I couldn't, I, I knew that word was familiar, so I looked it up. And it was the verse that we looked at the other day in 2 Corinthians 6.15 where it says, And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Belial is the devil. And it says that Eli's sons were of the devil. They, what did it say? They knew not the Lord. So the point there is, is they were out of their season from the beginning and their father did nothing to, to bring them to their season. And it wrecked them. It just tore them up. They, I forget what happened to them, but the ending was not good. So history has changed, even your own family history by your parents or by you or by somebody. We've all seen alterations to our lives that were supposed to be on track to go this way, but somebody wouldn't change seasons and it changed by them refusing to change seasons or acknowledge the season that they were in and adjust. It caused the whole family to get wrecked. The innocent always suffer for the sins of the guilty. That is, a, that is the Bible principle. It doesn't seem fair, but it is the truth. The, the innocent always suffer for the sins of the guilty. So just for an example, I just was thinking about Cain killing Abel. It was never a season to kill your brother. But something aggravated him. Remember, he was jealous because God accepted Abel's offering and didn't accept Cain's. He told Cain, you go back to the house and bring me something that's got blood on it. And I'll, we'll talk. And Cain didn't want to, so he went and killed Abel. Abraham would not wait for Isaac. It was the season. The Lord said, if you'll wait, 
you, the weight wasn't even on. It wasn't even Abraham's fault that Isaac was. I mean, it wasn't even God's fault. He didn't make him wait 25 years. It's, they just couldn't get in faith about it. Sarah said, not me. You, you have that thing if you want it so bad. You, you have it. I, I'm done. Or whatever that was. Lot chose the easy plane of Sodom. Remember that? Missed his season. He was, he was supposed to say, oh, uncle, uh, we'll do anything. I'll, I'll do anything. But he said, I, but the word says he spied out the land and went down and said, this is a good place for us. Moses, he missed his season. You know what Moses was supposed to do? He's supposed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, the land of promise. What did he do? He struck the rock twice. He was mad. And it's a type of, of striking Christ twice. And people are wanting to do it all the time. They're wanting Jesus to get back on the cross and do it again. So they can smite him again by saying, well, I need him to do something. But it's the finished work. Once was enough. But Moses smote the rock. And that rock, the Bible says, was Christ. Uh, David. Y'all remember David's transgression where he got out of season? The Bible even says it was the season for kings to go to war. And David lingered back 90 days and he caught Bathsheba. And that was a wreck, wasn't it? So hallelujah. So his season, missing his season, tore up everybody and everything. Uh, Solomon. Doggone, he sure liked the girls. He had a bunch of pagan wives. I don't know what in the world you would do with all those girls. I don't know. I have no idea how you could fall into that. But anyway, it got him out of his season. He was the wisest man. God, was, God said, I won't withhold anything from you. But they were all idol worshipers. Um, the disciples, the 11, you know what they did? They stayed in the boat. It was the season to get out of the boat. It's like, well, Lord, we'd call down lightning and we would... We, but we don't want to get out of the boat. He said, well, that is the, this is the boat getting out season. This is the walking on the water season. And I'll do a good thing in you just because you get out there and walk with Peter. But if you won't, you missed your season and it's going to set you back. And sure enough, none of them did very well after that, did they? Um, Judas, <laughs> we don't even have to talk about how he missed his season. But no doubt he had an appointed season. I mean, initially, we, we know the Lord knew that he would fail him. Then I wrote down John 20, 29, where Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, <laughs> because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are those that have not seen and yet have believed. So he missed his season. I've missed some seasons. We'd all have to say we had. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5, please. A little faster if you don't mind. Acts chapter 5, you know about this story. Verse 1 says, A certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part, a certain part, part of the whole, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And if you get the context there in chapter 4 of what they were doing, you know what was going on. And Peter said to Ananias, 
Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Now, notice the devil lied to him, but he didn't have to believe the lie. Every time the devil lies to you and me, it's our option, isn't it? It is. Well, God's not going to provide that. God's, God's you, you've been sonder. He's not going to heal that. And it goes on there and says that Sapphira went in and came in and they did the same thing to them. But in verse 11, it says, and great fear came upon all the church and among as and upon as many as heard these things. So seasons can be very impacting. When you follow the seasons, like, for instance, when you're starting out, if we'd all known all this when we started out, we would have raised our families different. I mean, in some degree, maybe not major, but we would have. I know I would have adjusted a lot of things if I'd have known how important those things were. And I just kind of eased off into another season of farming and said, that's most important. But it wasn't the main thing. And I didn't keep the main thing, the main thing. And it fell apart on me. The wheels ran off. We would have all done better if we'd have known our season because the season always pays off. If you follow the season of the Lord, it's the most optimum path that you can take. And you will end up, like I talked about those 11 seasons of that man, you'll end up on the top of the hill giving out counsel and being respected. And let me tell you the reason why people miss their season. It's called boredom. If you've ever missed a season, it's highly likely, don't take it for, for, for scripture, but it's highly likely that your slackness was a seasoned thief. We just wanted some more action. We wanted something to happen. Abraham and Sarah said, this is boring, waiting on this. What else do we have to do? And they had an idea and it messed up everything. Boredom. It's not Bible. We should never be bored. It is so exciting in the kingdom. We have to have a serpent crawl up the tree and tell us, hath God said it's exciting. So distraction blunts our belief and we get out of season. We get impatient. We, we want it now. And all the people I've just told you about. They wanted it now. And so we get ahead. I know I've done it. Everything I've messed up, everything I fell short of the glory of God was because I got in a hurry. And it doesn't mean that it turned out terrible. It doesn't mean that it was a wreck. It doesn't mean we started lots of things in word of life and otherwise that that people are still saying that what well, you didn't miss that. Because it turned out so good. But you know, when, you know, you know that it would, the season was right. Acts chapter 13. So if you messed up, you could probably write down what you messed up on and say, I was bored. And it would be a truth. I told you it was going to be one of those, Deborah Ann. You start the car. <laughs> Uh, verse one, there were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon. They were called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menean, and which had brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. 
blah, blah. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the season, oh, the work, whereunto I have called them. They fasted and prayed, and they were listening for the new season. Like that movie, you know, Right Turn, Clyde. It was kind of like, which way do we go? We're going to stop and listen for the season change. That's real powerful right there. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. Acts chapter 21. Look in verse 11. Remember this story, of course. It's talking about Paul. Verse 10 says there was a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come down unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. Are you all with me? Verse 11. So shall, be at the Jews, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And, and so it's like, don't, <laughs> don't go into that season. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and break mine heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And we would not be persuaded. We ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. And then he went to Jerusalem. And it turned out the season carried him through the threats and the dangers. The season carried him through. Now, I'll tell y'all something personal. Jesus came to me in West Texas. And I don't mean came to me, but I just meant I, I was alone and I, he told me. I had a good little church. And he said, he told me that he could not be my reward in West Texas, but would I move for it? So you don't know what the people are doing there, but the Lord has to reward you for whatever you're doing. It's not like, I, I, Michael, I, I meant to do better for you and you deserve better, but those people, I just couldn't get them out of the way. Therefore, no, he's, he's got to move you. So that's the beginning of the story of how we moved from there. It, it wasn't that we were mad at anybody or, or anything. It wasn't anything. The Lord just said, come over here. He said, I want to reward you. And it has been. I'm telling you, I'm the happiest Alabamian that's ever been. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm bona fide certified Alabamian, born and raised here. And all my parents and grandparents were born and raised here. <laughs> How far do you want me to go? Uh, I'd, I'd lie for that. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7.23 says, Ye were bought with a price. Ye are not your own. Let's first person that together. I was bought with a price and I am not my own. Now, there's the season changer right there. When we say the Lord came and said, I want to change this, or if a season comes up and offers itself to you and you know the Lord's in it, but it's contrary. It's not smooth and silky and furry and soft and cuddly. It's, it's, it's prickly and, and hurts and it doesn't look good, but you know it's the season the Lord's 
Shule borde so de gur si de bahasa tita di satita site, hifre shele bohosuti asi. I will bring it to you, saith the Lord. I will reveal what you need to take the next step. I will show you, and you will know where I have prepared a place for you. Well, yay. All right. Hebrews chapter 5. We haven't done that in a while. Hebrews chapter 5. Are y'all there? Well, I'm not. Uh, let's see, is that chapter 5? Yeah. Verse 11. Okay, let's, let's, just, let's just shuck the corn. Y'all okay? Let's just shuck it. It says, of whom, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. <laughs> I bet it was hard to hear, harder to hear than it was to be uttered. Seeing ye are dull of hearing. And that's what he meant. It's hard, it's hard for me to say it because you're, you're dull. For when, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers. Now, see, he's talking to seasons. He said, here you are. You're hard to talk to. I can't bring anything spiritual to you. I can't bring anything that is impacting, that will change your life, that will lead you to the next step because you're hard of hearing. You don't, you want to, you want to sit down. You were like that when I was a child. I thought like a child and I still want to think like a child. He said, uh, he said, for when, for the time ye ought to be teachers. So you're out of season. The Hebrews were out of season. They were supposed to be further along than they were. Do y'all see that? He said, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Boy, that is, that's, that's taking the whip to them. Ah. Uh, Amen. They were supposed to be teachers. And he said, y'all are in the y'all are in the kindergarten room. Seasons. You could call it something else. Transitions or levels or graduations or grades or what, whatever the word is that. But but Ecclesiastes says season. So I went with that. Kenneth Hagin said this one time. He said, some pastors never enter their first stage of ministry. Wow. He always talked about the Lord coming to him and saying, you're a little behind. What's up? He said, Lord, I, I didn't even know I was behind. Well, and the Lord would tell him, here's what I've told you and here's what I've showed you. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm behind. So I, I, I'm, I'm almost positive that Brother Hagin entered the third stage or phase of his ministry. But he said a many of pastor never got into the first one. Because it's, it's culture. It's like, well, this is what us preachers do and this is what the people want and this is how it works and this is, so we're going to do it and it'll work and it'll be fine. Unless the standard is a whole nother thing than what culture has found. Can you, get, can you get strong in a church that you let the pastor, the whole service lasts an hour and you give him 20 minutes? And if you have a really strong message, you go to the people before and have a little meeting and saying, I need 25 this morning. You'll have to cut your music back. 
Uh, listen to this. Uh, you know, uh, in the season that you're in, you could look and make an excuse and say, well, I'm ahead of other people. And we could in this church even make an argument for that, like maybe, I don't know, but you could say, well, we know more and we do more. We're aspiring to more, our vision, whatever. Uh, we're not puffed up about it. We just seem to note it. That's, but it, it wouldn't matter if you're ahead of somebody else. The race is yours alone. In other words, who are you racing against? Nobody. It's just you. And uh, I looked it up. And there's, I don't know why we don't know, but there's 30 apostles listed in the New Testament. And there's allusions to 83 apostles. So just if you think there wasn't many, and so we shouldn't have to be very many apostles down here on this dispensation, there was 83. Counting the 12, but there was 83. They weren't just the 12. All sorts of Barnabas was an apostle and they're, they're all in there. Did y'all know that? So the season of opportunity is now. It's now. It's like, well, someday. No, not someday. Someday is now. Someday is really yesterday. Uh, Esther 414, don't go, but I'll tell you what it says. You know what it says, but listen to it. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, Remember Mordecai telling Esther, if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there, then shall there be enlargement and then shall enlargement and deliverance rise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such time as this? See, so we don't always know what it costs to miss our season. To quit, to fall back, to get involved in something that because we're bored. Bored. I'm telling you, all of my friends over all these years, 43 years, all of them that have failed and quit or are slacking is because they were bored. I've examined every one of them. They were bored. The people weren't shouting and hollering. They weren't giving. They weren't they weren't coming to this meeting or going to that meeting, which is just standard church, pretty much. And they just said, I don't have to put up with this. Yeah, you do. Because we're in the yoke. We're bought with a price. We don't really have a thing that says, Lord, if it gets below 60 people, I'm out of here. Which I had a pastor tell me one time. He said, I'm used to 240. And if it gets down below this, this number... I don't have to stay. I said, well, really, how much are you worth? How much is your ministry? How many people would it take for you to say, I'm bought with a price? He didn't call me back. <laughs> how about that? So here's my list. And I got, it, it's one after, so I'm going to not hurry. I, I went down in my heart what's supposed to be at River Church. Lest you think that Hebrews didn't talk to us. Uh, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. I'm not accusing. I'm not saying we're dull of hearing, but we, we could sure giddy up. Would you all agree? For when for the time you ought to be teachers. So I wrote down everything that I had in my heart and have had for years 
at River Church, things that I'm putting out there. One of them is paymasters. You go, well, that's, that's, a, that's a strain, that's a stretch. Well, paymasters don't pay their own way. Paymasters just gather it up and bring it in. I need one amen. I need some little, a little help. Paymasters aren't like, well, we'll be poor if we bring it all in. No, because paymasters gather it up. They're, it's everywhere and all over. They're speaking to it and saying, I'm going to bring in $1,000 every few days. We should have missionaries at River Church. Now, you may think that's unfair. And culturally speaking, it may be out of line. But it's not spiritually. It's not church out of line. We should have the prophetic ministry at River Church. Y'all say amen. amen. We should. We want it. Do y'all want it? It's like, oh no, what's he saying? We want the prophetic ministry here. Yes. And it has, been, it has been popping its head up. And I'm so proud. I'm so glad. We should have evangelists at River Church. And that has started to occur. I can tell you. We should have teachers. I'm so proud of the children's church teachers, and I'm, I, I am full. I am busting with my pride and my joy about that. But this is not talking about that. And I'm not, I'm not putting that down in any way, but we ought to have people that are saying, uh, pastor's going to be out of town. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Mentors and elders. <laughs> Here's one. We should have church alliances all over Alabama. There should be other pastors that are calling me and that I'm calling them and saying, let's have admittance advance. Let's, let's do something. Let's have a women's conference. And they go, well, I, I got this and I got that. We'll help this and we'll help that. That's the way it's supposed to be. Where we all have Joe Morris in or something. We just have him in and say, we're going to sponsor him and put billboards up all over town and, or whatever. Well, that's it. So you got to discern your season, family. It's not too late. Little old ladies tell me, well, I, I can't do anything at the church. Oh, baby, you can pray. You can pray. You're there all day by yourself. You can pray. You can pray when nobody else has time to pray or doesn't know how to pray. Here you are. You've been in the church. You don't think prayer is legitimate? It's not weighty or worthy? Oh, my word. If nothing happens without it, don't slack on us, please. So tonight, this is the, this is the, we're going to bow our heads and nobody looking around and nobody, nobody speaking out. But we're going to repent if it's in your heart to do, because I sure don't care as far as me. But we're going to give place to this tonight while we're right here of missing our season and not even knowing it at the time. So, Lord, we thank you right now for the heart that you have put in us, that you really have a higher call on us than we even have, that you want us to do more and better than we even have said we would and should. So, Lord, we come up higher tonight by taking ourselves lower. We repent. I repent this morning, Lord, this evening, for just being bored or culturized or easy to get along with, Lord, and not having a burning fervor for the thing that, 
ignited you. So we say, I repent, Lord. I confess it as sin in Jesus' name, that I'm not a paymaster if I'm supposed to be one, or I'm not a prophet, whatever. Lord, well, we're not those people. Yes, we are. Those people are just us people that said yes, that turned in the season. They just turned. They just said yes, and that's the only difference between them and us. They said yes. So, Lord, we say yes to you. Lord Jesus, we say yes. I say yes. I say yes. I will not say no anymore, and I will not be daydreaming, and I will not be lethargic, and I won't be culturalized where, where this, is, this is all churches can expect it to be. We are not those people, Lord. And so we give you thanks, Lord, for restoring us tonight, and that tomorrow we will wake up with a new vision and a new way to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Isn't Jesus wonderful? Woohoo, yes.